Christmas. It's dark up here. Oh, there we go. All right. It's good to see you kids with us this morning, too. Especially like Miss Granzo over there singing along with us. Appreciate that. John chapter 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. 
full of grace and truth. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. My, my, two of my girls were watching me practice this, told me I was far too serious. No promises. <clears throat> we'll see how it goes. <clears throat> there was a young man who sat in my office describing to me his problem. He was a self-described agnostic son of Muslim parents. He had come to the realization that he did not care about anyone other than himself. Although he used to be a nice guy, he had come to realize that he could not come up with a convincing reason why he should continue to be nice to anyone unless it somehow benefited himself. It just didn't seem to be any purpose. In fact, he'd come to realize that his own life held no real purpose. He could see how this prevented him from having fulfillment in his life, but he was convinced there was no real source of purpose that he could turn to. Though mentally convinced of the purposelessness of life, he lacked peace in his conviction. A new mom sat in front of me holding her newborn baby, or she could have been holding a brick. She held it stiffly, aware of its weight, but unconscious of its life or its needs. A few short months ago, she had been so excited to meet her very own child. Now her life, as she had known it, seemed over. She no longer knew who she was or why she was here. What had once been her most joyful expectation had become her most crushing reality. The gentleman's wife of 45 years had just died of cancer. He had seen her suffer mightily, both from the disease as well as from the ineffective treatments. He had told me then that if I lived long enough, I would stop smiling. Now, only one month later, his own body had been overtaken by cancer, lymphoma or leukemia. The exact diagnosis was still uncertain. It was more than he could handle. All he could think about was who would get his meager possessions when he died. Thoughts of possessions instead of peace. And it was the holiday season, and we were doing our rounds in the hospital. We stopped at a room where the adult son of one of our instructors had suffered a complication from a simple procedure. The instructor was there, his own body stiffened by age and disease. We offered our condolences about them being in the hospital at this time of year. Our instructor leaned on his cane and stared ahead with an embittered gaze, like a captain going down with his ship. It's okay, he said. In our family, life is hell, and then you die. For this time of year, many of us do our best 
to cover up or ignore whatever problems we're dealing with. It's a great opportunity, Christmas is, to turn our focus to planning festivities, to searching for gifts and imagining celebrations. For you and for me, this time of year can be a welcome distraction from the realities of a very broken world around us. And sometimes it feels like that's just what we need, a distraction. But some of us are not as easily distracted as others, and sometimes the holiday only seems to highlight the emptiness of our lives. And even for those, those of us who enjoy the distraction, we too are soon faced with the realities of life once the season is finished and the letdown hits us. All of us can read verses like Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 14 and see it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And then we look around us, and we don't see peace. We see wars. We see rumors of wars. We see anger, bitterness. We see selfishness and abuse. We see loss and loneliness. We see husbands and wives, moms and dads, pitted against each other. We see children estranged from their parents, brothers rejecting sisters. And even though we really want to get behind the message of peace on earth and embrace it, the reality of our world and the reality of our own hearts rejects it. You can feel as the prophet who said, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From prophet to priest, everyone deals falsely. They have said peace, peace, when there is no peace. Or we could feel as the poet said, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And as we look around this earth, whether it be looking at nations and civilizations or whether it be as we look into the eyes of the people all around us or even into our very own hearts, we too may very well come to the conclusion that the greatest need that you and I have is peace. But there's a problem because you and I often see that we need peace in our relationships, and we need peace in our governments, and we need peace in our jobs, and we need peace with ourselves and peace with our circumstances. And that's what we see happening all around us, people trying to create peace. Politicians will try to create peace through policies. Parents will try to create peace through appeasement. Bosses will try to create peace through production. You and I try to find peace through possessions. We might try to find peace in a fulfilling relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or with our spouse, something like you see on a Hallmark Christmas movie. We try to find peace through pride in our achievements 
We try to find peace through planning for the future or for the unknown. We try to find peace through personal fulfillment. We try to find peace in the perfect getaway. But there's a major problem with our pursuit of peace. Before we can construct an appropriate solution, we have to accurately define the problem. And our problem, in fact, the problem of the entire world, is not that we lack peace with one another on a personal level or on a national level or an ethnic level or a racial level or a socioeconomic level. Our problem is not even that we lack peace with ourselves. The problem with our world and the problem with you and I is that in our natural state, we lack peace with the creator of this world. In our natural state, we lack peace with the one who created us. We can strive our whole lives for peace in our time, and it won't work. It'll never work. It never has, and it never will. Our efforts will always leave us feeling empty and unsatisfied and discouraged. Even small advancements in peace will leave us feeling ultimately without purpose when we see the state of the whole world. Why is that? Because you and I, no matter how skilled or talented we are, no matter how uh, powerful or influential or how perseverant we might be, no matter how patient we are, we lack the ability to create true and lasting peace with the God of the universe. That's what the Bible tells us. In the beginning, God created the earth, and he created man and woman, and he created them to be dependent on him and to obey him, and to serve him, and to love him. And in doing so, there is great joy. But instead of depending on God, man decided to instead try to be independent, to be self-dependent, to be self-sufficient. Let's go back, way back. We got a lot of, there's going to be a lot of Bible passages we go through, so I'm going to have them up here on the screen for us. As we go through these, Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then the man did eat the fruit to try to be like God, in order to not need God. And he sinned. And every man or woman ever since who has ever been born has been born in the self-reliance and sin of Adam. And because of that, each one of us has been born marked as a sinner, destined for hell as part of the kingdom of darkness. It doesn't matter if you had Christian parents or if we were always a good person, we still came out stamped Sinner. Ephesians chapter 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Thank you. Like the rest of mankind. Even the good we try to do, even the good we try to do is done in sin. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds, all the good things we do, are like filthy rags. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. And as born sinners, we have sinned. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. James 2 says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Isaiah 53, 6, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone every one of us, to his own way. And what does it mean? So what does this mean? What does it mean that we are sinners by birth and sinners by our actions? Well, God is just and he is holy and he is pure. And because he is just, he will punish sin. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans chapter 2 says, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. For the wages of sin is death. Because we are sinners who sin. We deserve death, just like God promised Adam and Eve, and just like the world that Jesus entered into on that first Christmas. We too live in a world of sin. The shepherds on that hill outside Bethlehem may have had some stories much like those we started with this morning. In a world that doesn't seem to make sense, they may have been lying there thinking, life is hell, and then you die. They too may have lived long enough to stop smiling. They most certainly understood oppression and rejection and loneliness. And those shepherds on that hill were also sinners deserving of death just like the rest of the whole world, just like you and me, just like every single person that's ever lived on this planet, except for one. The darkness of that night extended to the far reaches of every heart of every man and woman and child 
alive. And the darkness of that night reaches into our hearts yet today. Psalm 53 says, God looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. And they have all fallen away. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So as we see from God's word how lost we are and how lost the whole world is and how lost the whole world has been ever since Adam sinned, as we see what hopeless sinners we are, as we see how helpless we are to do anything about the wages of death that we have earned, as we sense the restlessness and lack of fulfillment in our own hearts, when we come face to face with our greatest need in this life and realize we can do nothing to make peace, we must come to the same conclusion. There is no peace on earth. But, but then God. And the darkness and hopelessness and helplessness of that night and of our hearts, God came and announced peace. And in the darkness of that night and in the darkness of our hearts, Galatians 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law or under the judgment of sin so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And Luke 1 says that the way of Jesus is to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the midst of our greatest and most desperate need, Jesus came. Luke chapter 2 verse 8 to 14 says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. You kids know what the word is that means good news, right? The gospel. I bring you the gospel, the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
job, Marshall. He did not bear, sorry, Jesus did not stay a baby in the manger. The point of this story is not just that a baby was born. The point of this story was that that baby was born sinless and grew into a man and then died on a cross with all the punishment for all the sins that you and I have ever done or ever will do or any sin that's been done by his children in eternity. He didn't just die on the cross though. He was buried in a tomb. And he didn't just die and take the punishment. He rose from the dead and ascended to heaven so that you, you and I can not only escape the punishment of our sins, but so that we could live with him in heaven forever and ever and ever. He didn't bear the stamp of sin from Adam because he was born to a virgin and he became a man, a full human being, and lived an absolutely perfect life so that he could be a substitute, a perfect substitute for you and for me. He came to make peace. Colossians chapter 1 says, For in him, Jesus, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Ephesians chapter 2 again says, But now, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached Peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He came to earth on Christmas to offer eternal peace through his own blood because he loves us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. Right after God tells us, we were dead in our trespasses, that we were hopeless and helpless. In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The greatest Christmas gift ever. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us. 1 John 4.9.10 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son on Christmas to be the propitiation for our sins. That's the Christmas story. God loved us and sent his own son to be the propitiation, the substitute for us to take all the wrath of God on himself because of our sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. So sweet to see the, the joy, the joy that new parents have for their newborn baby. I've been able to see a lot Many, many births. I'm always struck by the contrast between the intense struggle and the often dramatic pain of labor compared to when the baby is actually born. All of a sudden, what appears to be great agony gives way to great joy as the parents are able to hold their newborn baby. It's such a blessing to see the pain and to see the uncertainty and overwhelming difficulty be replaced with looks of the gentle and tender love that that mom and that dad have for their new baby. But the majestic sweetness of the birth of Jesus Christ was not the love of the parents for the baby. It was the eternal and unfathomable love that that baby had for all of us. And when we see God as the one who is in control of his entire creation, working all things together for good of those who love him, when we see his complete control and his complete love, and we bow before him in our hearts and confess with our mouths that he is Lord and I am not, then then we have peace on this earth. And you and I can then have the peace in our own hearts because we have peace with God. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And that joy, that, that is the joy of Christmas. Our greatest need came to us on Christmas morning, not wrapped in a box with pretty paper, but wrapped in swaddling cloths. And now that baby who was born and who grew and became a man and then died on a cross to pay the price of your sins and mine is now risen and is sitting on the throne as king. And he continues to offer peace to all who stand deserving judgment for our sin. The call continues today, this very Christmas Eve, just as it did the very first Christmas Eve as the world unknowingly waited for its Savior. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, 
neither let them be afraid. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what now? What do we do with this baby in a manger? How do we receive the peace that he offers to us? Luke tells us that when the angels went away from the shepherds into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Be like the shepherds. Respond to what the Lord has made known to you. What must you do to be saved? Well, you don't do anything. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you realize you are a sinner deserving punishment for your sin, and if you come to realize that you can do absolutely nothing to save yourself, peace is being offered to you right now. Believe what the Bible says about God and believe what God says about us. In faith, fall on the grace of God. In faith, call on Jesus Christ as your Savior. 1 Timothy 1.15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. That's Christmas. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do you hear the bells there ringing? Open up your heart and hear them. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Philippians 4 says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful because of Christ because of his birth at Christmas and because of his perfect life and because of his death for you and for me and because he rose from the grave and he conquered death we can have the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts so that when we sense that life has no purpose, we can look at Christ and peace will rule. When our greatest anticipation becomes our most crushing reality, we can look at Christ and peace will rule in our hearts. 
when the celebration of Christmas highlights our loss and our loneliness, we can look at Christ and peace will rule. And when we see the sickness and sadness and death all around us, we can look at Christ and peace will rule. And we can remember that our greatest need is not health and happiness on this earth, but it is that we have peace with our holy, loving, and merciful God. And if we have peace with God, the peace of Christ can rule in our hearts as we experience the peace of God. Hark, the herald angels sang, glory to the newborn king. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ I'm missing, messing up my verses. Peace on earth, mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Glory to the newborn king. Merry Christmas. To each one of you, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God is with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here who has not experienced the peace of God that comes through peace with God by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's anyone here who is not trusting alone on the blood of Christ, on your love and your mercy and your grace to save us from what we deserve. I pray that even today, even on this Christmas Eve, that they would turn to you in faith and in love and receive salvation and eternal life and peace. For those of us who have experienced that, Lord, I pray that it would rule in our hearts. That whatever we're going through, whatever tribulation this world brings us, that we would be able to look at Christ and let peace rule. I pray that we would be people of peace in a world starving for it. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the celebration of your birth. I thank you for the greatest gift we could ever receive. I pray that we would go out and rejoice and join the heavenly host singing praising, praise to God, glory in the highest, glory to the newborn king. We pray in Jesus' precious name, amen.